The 53rd New York Film Festival is right around the corner. Since 1963, NYFF has brought the best in world cinema to Lincoln Center, featuring established auteurs as well as fresh new talent. This year's edition is no different, with the latest from stateside favorites like Todd Haynes, Steven Spielberg, Michael Moore, and Danny Boyle, as well as international auteurs like Ho Shao Shen, Michelle Gondry, Chantal Ackerman, and Apichapong Wursitikal. The closing night selection comes from acclaimed actor Don Cheadle, who makes his directorial debut with Miles Ahead, the highly anticipated biopic of jazz legend Miles Davis. In addition to the main slate selections, the festival also includes newly restored classics, sidebars featuring exciting new works in documentary, avant-garde and immersive media, filmmaker talks, shorts programs, special events, and much more. Tickets to the New York Film Festival go on sale September 13th. Members at the film buff level or higher receive an early access period starting September 8th. NYFF packages of 12 tickets or more provide even earlier access with fulfillment beginning August 31st. Visit filmlink.org NYFF for more info. From the Film Society of Lincoln Center, you're listening to The Close-Up. Each week, we present in-depth conversations with some of the biggest names in filmmaking. It's August 19th, 2015. I'm Michael Odemark, one of the show's producers. Today, we're sharing a lively discussion with Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, whose previous film together, 2012's Francis Ha, was an audience favorite at the 50th New York Film Festival. Their new film, Mistress America, opened in select theaters last weekend. Mistress America tells the story of Tracy, played by Lola Kirk, a lonely college freshman newly moved to New York City, whose life is turned upside down by her adventurous soon-to-be stepsister, Brooke, played by Greta Gerwig. Early reviews of the film have been overwhelmingly positive, with Scott Foundas writing in Variety, Mistress America confirms Gerwig as one of the great, fearless screen comedians of her generation, a tall, loose-limbed whirligig who careers through scenes with the beatific ditziness of a Carol Lombard or Judy Holliday. Ahead of its premiere, the Film Society presented a sneak preview with both Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach in person for a Q&A. The evening was moderated by New York Film Festival Director of Programming, Kent Jones. Let's go now to their conversation. Uh, where do you start with um, a character like Brooke? I'm just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of the, that character, I have to say, of, of, the, of the character as, as conceived, played, executed, you know, fit into the movie. Um. Uh, well, when we wrote, and I, I acted in Francis Ha, uh, the process of writing a character and playing the character are completely separate for me. Um, they, it, it's all, in a way when I'm acting it, it's, it's like I kind of disconnect from the, the writing process. It's, um, it doesn't, for some, I mean, I'm very familiar with the language, but it doesn't feel like, oh, I know exactly what this is supposed to be because I've, I've written it with Noah. It feels like it's a, it's a new thing. But um, I don't know, I mean, in the writing, we've, <laughs> It, we, it, she, she exi- we were working on something else that we were thinking of. we were like maybe we'll make this movie and she was a minor character in that script 
And um, the way we work is we'll, we'll read things out loud to each other, sort of like taking every other part. And when I was, whenever I would read Brooke, we'd just laugh. She was just funny and crazy, and she had so much going on that um, we decided we put that script aside and we wanted to build a whole movie around this woman and then we came up with the whole world and everything but that's all correct isn't it i think so yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. sounds good we need third party yeah. verification <laughs> yeah. i don't know if you'll get it i think it was just us yeah yeah um, yeah um yeah i think it was somebody we kind of recognized on some i think both on a, on a on a human like it was someone we felt we had known if not specifically, this sort of there were just aspects of her that were familiar to us, and then also it felt like someone out of movies too. Like, um, and so I think we both, it's like we were almost sort of pursuing the, the 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 sort of human version, and then like the kind of movie version. And it, for that character, because Brooke in some ways is all performance anyway, and yeah, that's part of who she is. Yeah, right? yeah. she is the movie. Version. She yeah. is a movie, and she's there's a movie's going on for her, and so I think that felt intuitively right. Mm -hmm. So when you say that the writing process and the performing process are two separate things, but then at a certain point they have to inform each other, no? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, well, I mean. I don't know. I, right. I mean, are you changing and amending? As no, you're going we don't along? change anything. Oh, okay. We don't change anything once we're on set. I mean, we don't we don't do um, we don't do any improvisation, and we don't change the lines at all once we're on set. And we don't adjust the lines for the people we cast. We we cast them because they <laughs> did the lines well. Um, uh, so yeah, so it really does become like a piece of writing that feels pretty unchangeable. And then I'm like, who wrote this garbage? I can't say this. Uh, no, I never said that. And then what that. happens? <laughs> and then, <laughs> no, I mean... So the, can I have a word? Can I have a word with the director? <laughs> Not in front Jesus. of the other people. Yeah. Okay, no. Um, in the trailer. The, yeah. yeah. Or the... Or the, the, the Adjacent. Coat closet or something. The yeah, we, yeah. There's no trailer. I'm kidding. No, yeah, it's yeah. like a... <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but it's, um, it's like a... It's definitely... Yeah, in a way, like I, I'll struggle. I, and it, it's it really doesn't feel like writing it. It helps me. Like I, I feel like I'll struggle with it the same way I would struggle with it if I hadn't written it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I understand it because of, even as a director of my own material, I always there's some kind of split where I I come at it interpretively when I'm on set, and I think I see that also in Greta as an actor. That's like she'll struggle with stuff, like. You know, or get the line wrong, or you know, yeah. um, you know, or be doing a kind of version of it that I'm not totally Crazy in tune about. with. Yeah, or, or um, but in the best way because it's she's finding it in real time and it's exciting. It's it's sort of what you want every actor to be doing anyway, and she's doing it with material that she's spent months perfecting. You know. Yeah. Is it different working on your own material? Different experience. Um, well, it has yeah, to be different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is different in some ways. I mean, I think for me, um, it's the. I, I, I don't know. I come at, as an actor, I feel that um, my entry point is really always through language. It's very hard for me if I don't have a sense of a script having rhythm, or an internal 
structure that makes sense to me. And I don't know if that's my because I have a background in theater or what it is exactly. But if I can't, it almost feels like reading sheet music. If I can't hear it, it's very hard for me to actually act it. it. Tell that story that one the casting director saying that. What? Which one? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, when I was auditioning for things, when I was starting out <laughs> casting, uh, casting, when I'd audition for like TV and stuff, a casting director said, "It sounds like you're making fun of the material," and I was like, <laughs> I'm, not, "I'm not. Oh my God, no, I'm not. I'm really." And and for me, I mean, with any, I, I think the difference for me is like the scripts we've written together have the. The language is so important to us that they do have this real. It's the the rhythm is all in it. So, I mean, in a way, it's just more like that baseline of, of, of speech that I understand. I mean, and 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 I, I experienced that the first time I read um, Greenberg, which Noah wrote alone, and I I didn't have any part of writing it, but I I could hear it right away. I was like, I know what this is supposed to sound like. And I've had the privilege of working with some other directors who have um, very, uh, like, a musical sense to their language. And I think Whit Stillman is like that. And um, I worked with Todd Solons, and he's like that. And and they're very different because, I mean, you know, it's it can be very sparse, but there's sti- there could still be something underneath it that you're like, this is, this exists um, in a very specific way and 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 yeah so when i don't when i when i can't hear it i can't do it but um i've tried to it's bad um and yeah so so i guess most mostly it's just that i i it's the kind of writing i respond to yeah. that the, the um the sense of language in movies is something that's kind of unremarked it doesn't really um it's not a major factor in in, in people's thinking about about movies from the outside, but I think it's really important for, for your films in particular. Um, yeah, let's hope it's cinematic. <laughs> feels it um, feels that way to me. I'm yeah, sure. me too. I mean, I think there's there's something. Yeah, I think it, you know, very much so. And I think the, it, you know, with with this movie or uh, Francis, the, the sort of the physical and the verbal are kind of. All working in concert, kind of pushing each other. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and it's sort of choreographed. The the physical stuff is is sort of all very choreographed, and it takes a while to kind of get it right. But it's all sort of going with the verbal, and and um, yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of how I see things. So I'm I'm, uh, you know, I, I you know, it's the way I kind of like to do it. And it's the way you kind of like to do it, so that that works out well. Yeah, yeah, it works out well. And it's also nice, I mean, because uh, for me, because Noah, I mean, I I think all of my favorite directors have this strong sense of language, but then they also are creatures of cinema, and they have such a, and and it feels like this trust that I have that, that he will find the exact, like visual language to express it as well that will underscore everything else which you know as an actor it's great to feel like this will be taken care of you're not you're not in danger of this not being not being done right well there's something to you know i think with a lot of the things we write too of seeing people say them and and feeling the environment 
you know, around them or, you know, or if they're saying it off camera or they're on the move or whatever it is, the physical is, is equally as important, but, and it affects how the line is done. And a lot of even sort of figuring it out with the actor is to know what physical action should accompany that line. And sometimes you might know from the writing stage and other times you don't. You kind of, they, you know, you're helping them find the way to say it by coming up with ways to block it. and and. And we did that a lot on, on both Francis and this movie where we would change locations and blocking as we did it because it would, you know, we never changed the dialogue but we changed the physical stuff because it really did inform and, and help us find the way we heard it. You know, we, we heard it some way in our heads when we wrote it but we weren't quite getting it yet. So it's really about finding what is the, the sort of way of, you know, so that the actor can kind of, you know, can kind of get the line right. And with Francis Ha and with Mistress America, we're talking about, for you, um, a, a departure um, in, in uh, many different ways, one of which is you're working you know, with a much tighter budget, but you're working with a, a freedom probably that's um, very different from, from the other works. And then in, in contrast to While We're Young, which is a film with a little bit more money, can you just talk about that, the differences well, between those situations. Yeah, I mean, you know, essentially they're not different, except that it's almost a way to, f to make, and this is sometimes hard to explain it if, if you're not kind of there with us, but it's, it's almost like budget's irrelevant, you know, because the, whatever the number that the movie costs is, it, is not a real number because we're all working, we're all finding ways to, you know, not, take money the way you normally take money or the way you normally spend money on a movie that sort of, you know, bloats a budget. And, you know, and all my budgets are within a range that, you know, I feel are, you know, I, I always feel a certain kind of responsibility. I, I mean, which is, is both for self-preservation as well. I mean, I wanna make movies in, in a way that allows me to continue to make them and I don't wanna create a pressure on myself to sort of, you know, for these movies to make enough money to sort of you know, I want everyone to feel good at, after we've, we've done it, the people, who, particularly the people who've, who've invested in it. But with these, you know, it is a way to kind of create a situation where, you know, it, it's almost like whatever, you know, we could come up with a number, but it almost doesn't even um, matter. I mean, it's like, in a way, it's probably the same budget as while we're young, essentially, but we're not spending all that money like that. And, um, uh, you know, and, and it's just sort of finding a way to kind of do these where we, we can, you know, have as much kind of, you know, freedom as possible. There are limitations that come from it, but there's also other freedoms and we can, and for us, one of them is that we can shoot longer and kind of, you know, and sort of get these things as kind of exact as we feel we need to get them and, um, you know, and, and, you know and, and work in a way that we feel is really important for the material. There's also a big, <coughs> a long gap between the shooting of this film and the editing, no? Well, the editing did come right after the shoot, but we didn't, I, I knew I wasn't gonna be able to finish it all. I, I cut it, I mean, I had it cut, but I wasn't, I, I didn't fine tune it, I didn't have the music, I didn't, there were a lot of things that were not finished. So we knew we had a kind of window to kind of almost get it done, but not totally, before I had to go do While We're Young. So um, it, it, it sort of, it was hard to leave it um, because I really liked being that kind of headspace of this movie, but 
Um, you know, but it was also nice to return to it when I was done with Lower Young. Mm. What credit for you, what are the distinctions between the, because um, there, there is a real relationship between the characters in Francis Hahn and mm -hmm. Mistress America, but I'm wondering about the distinctions too. Yeah, I mean, well, in a way they felt like they existed in totally different universes to me. Um, I mean, they both take place in New York in the relative present, but they, but but on some sort of spiritual level, they don't. I mean, I feel like Francis kind of belonged to the early 60s, and this movie sort of felt like it belonged to the 80s. Um, and to me, I mean, I, you know, it's hard to talk about <laughs> characters without sounding like a douchey actor, but I am a douchey actor. And... Um, uh, yeah, I mean, Francis to me, I, I mean, the way I, I always think about it is it's almost, it, it's like physical again. It's like Francis, um, Francis was, she, I mean, she literally stumbled all the time. She was kind of turned, she was kind of had this like, like running, loping to falling pace to her and um, her sort of fits and starts of conversation and her, flashes of confidence and then kind of going back in. And Brooke, uh, you know, we put her in the, these, the way we dressed her, which almost felt not really of this time, kind of um, like misguided businesswoman. And um, with these, these little heels and her little boots and her pants were a little bit too short and she just sort of stomped around and she would just keep stomping and she had no, she had no real shame register, which is, was very different. I feel like Francis was constantly aware of um, doing things and then being embarrassed about them. And Brooke, I mean, even her character introduction of, um, you know, welcome to the great white way, that she starts this gesture that she realizes halfway down the stairs isn't big enough to cover the whole stairs, but then she has to keep going. And then she doesn't, she doesn't have a moment of like, what have I done? Oh no, now I look silly. She just keeps going. And, um, and even, she, she's kind of a hair flipper. Yeah, there's something hair flippy about her. And I, I don't know, I mean, this is like, this is why it sounds ridiculous to talk about it this way. I mean, her, even the way she speaks is, um, it, it just felt completely different. Francis felt like, um, she was always uh, saying something, um, uh, you know, she, she was kind of, uh, she was kind of in some sort of internal joke with herself that she couldn't share with anyone else. And Brooke lo will look at you and say, did you get the joke? Did you get the joke? Did you get the joke? Until you say yes. And I don't, I, I mean, there's so many, there's so many things that are, D different for me about them. I mean, I, what I do think they share, the main thing I think they share is um, a, almost a touch of madness, and I like that in characters. Um, it's a different kind of madness, and they have these very different backgrounds, and I mean, I also think, you know, Frances, despite the fact that she's not successful, I think is um, intellectually confident. She went to college. I think she knows that she has something worthy to say. I don't even know that Brooke graduated from high school. You know, I think she probably just been living on her kind of street smarts and looks. She's an autodidact. She's an autodidact. <laughs> That's one of the words she self-taught herself. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. But yeah, I, I guess I experience it. Um, I mean, this is, uh, this is also, I mean, language is 
it's language, but it, language is physical. You know, it's um, it's part of your body and what, how you how you speak and how you present yourself. And anyway, Brooke, just um, I don't know. I I felt like I had to get over my own mortification while I was playing her because she has none. When did you decide that Brooke was going to come down those red steps to meet Tracy? I mean, I don't know exactly when we made that, her intro. I, I do remember when we wrote, uh, like, I mean, I guess her real intro in a way is her um, businessy voicemail message. <laughs> and, um, and then it just always made us laugh the line about, um, do you know where Times Square is? <laughs> and <laughs> that was just something. And then, but, but yeah, it was like, you know, where else? And, and that we always had this idea that Brooke lived in Times Square, which was also um, made us laugh, and that we were um, that Noah was excited to shoot Times Square like a neighborhood, like just you know a regular neighborhood. Until we actually shot. In Until Times we Square. actually shot there. <laughs> then the excitement yeah. wore off. So oh my God. I think we're all. If you hear about us all getting some kind of radiation <laughs> poisoning, I think it's from the two and a half men ads that were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We had to watch repeatedly while we yeah. cooked in Times Square overnight. I know that it's hypnotizing. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've been a fan of uh, all your films, and I feel like, um, you know, unlike some of your contemporaries, you've sort of done, I feel like a lot of times the style will get refined in that you've done different things, like kicking and screaming is very different from Margot at the Wedding, but then those two kinds of styles come together in something like Francis Ha, and um, I was just wondering if uh, you're planning on anything that's as sort of uh, brutal as Mario at the Wedding again. Um, <laughs> I just might have something. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had an interview the other day where somebody said, I think I'm the only person who likes this movie, Margot at the Wedding. And I said, I, I was like, no, I try, you know, I, I hear that from, uh, no, I'm telling you. I, <laughs> I, I felt very bad for you. And I, I think it's a masterpiece. It's always when they hit I, you know, you're in trouble, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, but I've heard now that comment from like eight or nine people. So, um, no, I appreciate it. I, um, um, uh, you know, I, I uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I mean, apparently I'm happier and it's showing in the movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I'm waiting to, to, for that to catch up to me <laughs> in my life, to <laughs> that acknowledgement. No, I, I am, um, uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't feel, you know, I feel as connected to those movies as I do to what I'm doing now, but I, I um, and I don't really go into them thinking like, here's a brutal one, here's a, you know, a not, you know, a lighter one. This one is funny with a hint of melancholy, you know, you know, and um, I wish I was in more control of that. Um, so, uh, but, you know, I'll, I'll get back into the brutal stuff, don't worry. Somebody up there? Oh, right in the middle. Uh, wait for that. Wait for that mic. Oh. <laughs> this is going to be. Here we go. Okay. Hi. Um, 
I watch your like, at least two of your movies a month. I mean, <laughs> I, I, you're my favorite director. Uh, so, oh, my question is, I just saw that you had a doc on Brian De Palma that's in a premiere at the Venice Film Festival. Can you tell me anything about that? Because I'm a huge De Palma fan. Body Double is one of my favorite movies. Um, so, but yeah. You're gonna love this. This is doc. the brutal. <laughs> this is. <laughs> I was. This is the brutal. I'm. Gonna, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I. I. It's. Uh, I'm. I'm very excited about it. It's something that Jake Paltrow and I uh, did together, and and it's and it's us and um, and Brian and and Brian talking about his movies, and um, you know, you it'll you'll be able to see it soon. I think. You know, um, it's coming. I, I love his movies too, and I love him as a person. I, Greta, I, I was wondering if you could expand a little more on this comment you made about seeing Brooke as very 80s, because mm. to me, she felt so contemporary. Mm. And just the whole way, like none of the characters in the film heard anybody else in the film. Was just seems I'm raising two 16-year-olds and they're great kids, but you know, there's one of them right here. <laughs> but I mean, nobody listens to anybody, whether it's because they're looking at their phones or because they're so caught up in their own thoughts or because they're responding to five different things at the same time, including their own thoughts. And that just struck me as so of the moment. So I was surprised to hear you say that. So oh. I'm curious to hear more about that. Um, yeah. Well, I'm. I I get, I I think. Probably, I don't know, I think probably people have always um, n not necessarily listened to each other. Um, I think it's actually kind of one of my favorite things in, um, I, I mean, in theater and, or in film, when you just, you, you f it's everybody missing each other. I mean, like, this is nerdy, but in, I've, I feel like all of Chekhov is, is that it's like somebody gives a four-page speech and the other person doesn't care. They're just they're, they have no like in Uncle Vanya when he's like talking about the forest and what he wants to do and he's like we're I'm really worried about the forest and she's just like do you have a crush on my friend and you're like oh you guys are just not connecting and I think I've always I've always been interested in the way people miss each other. Um, I think uh, the but for me the 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 80s-ness of it, I mean, we, we would talk about, the, I mean, it's not just 80s movies, but um, uh, the, like the, the films um, like Something Wild or After Hours, this, these, these movies where there's kind of um, a slightly dangerous woman who drags a yuppie into her underground life. And, um, and it, it felt like Brooke kind of belonged to that to me. Um, and in a way, you know, it's it was pointed out to us like when we were doing press. Someone said, uh, um, you know, because New York is so is so expensive now and all this stuff. It it's like can a, can a brook survive? And you know, at the end of the movie, she's leaving. And I I do think there is something where it feels like th those kind of small time hustler types. I mean, I, I never lived through the, the 80s New York, but I think um, there's something about, you know, nostalgia for something I never lived through, um, which, which I've only known through movies. But um, yeah, it just, it, she just felt like it belonged to that world to me. Hi, can I ask two questions? 
<laughs> First is for Greater. Um, is this story oh, related Greta. to um, like your own experience in college in Bernard? Mm. Because it feels so real that the freshmen like were very into themselves, mm. like basically the same situation right now. And uh, <laughs> second part is for Noah, like um, you mentioned choreography. So I think the, the scenes in the Greenwich house is very well choreographed. And I, I'm wondering like, um, the, like how you, you know, like, like choreographed you, it. Yeah. Like with the writing process, I mean, do you write part and let the characters do a little bit and then write? Like something like that. Thanks. I have forgotten the question Barnard. for me. Oh, right. Okay, right. Um, yes, I mean, uh, the, yes, we, I, I drew upon um, my time at Barnard, but I mean, with, with all these movies, like, when we write them together, it's like both of our experience gets funneled into it. So my experience at Barnard, his experience at Barnard. Experience at I know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think so often in films, there's this sort of in in especially when a character gets to college, it seems awesome. And I think the truth is, when you get to college, you have this moment of what have I done? I don't know any of these people. What am I doing here? I you know you you you're there's a real sense of like lostness. And I mean, I remember when I got to school, I felt I was so excited to be in New York, but I, it, it was almost like if I, I, I couldn't believe that the earlier part of my life was over. Like, and you're, you, it's like you turn around and the door's gone behind you or like that horrible, um, you know, the, the, um, the, Orpheus in Eurydice, like he's not allowed to turn around, um, or she, not allowed to turn around to make sure when he takes her from the underworld. Is anybody tracking this? Um, um, anyway, um, it, ju it just felt like this kind of like I can't go back. Oh, and who are these people? And what's what's happening? And I, I mean, I never had a bro brook in my life. But I did want to be part of a club where you found out you got in because they put a pie in your face. I got, eventually got in when I was a junior, but um, I spent a couple of years uh, not getting, I waited up and I never got a pie. So, you know, but then I got one. And now your question, Noah. Um, uh, we, I mean, when we're writing it, we're kind of envis envisioning those scenes up to a point. I mean, we have, you know, so we're, we're sort of, you know, we, you know we're, we're writing it and kind of getting it and refining it so to the point that, you know, really that we can get it to. And then when we're on set, um, you know, we're not changing the script, but we're, we're sort of, I suppose, expanding it by the, you know, the sort of the physical blocking and, you know, and the actors are bringing all their own stuff to it. So, um, where I mean, all the dialogue is written and stays the same, but the uh, <laughs> somebody's asking for directions. Yeah, 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 yeah. How do I get out yeah, of here? Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Nobody's listening to each other. If I go up anyway. this aisle, can I still get across? Yeah. Um, um, you can. Um, uh, so, so, but so much of the, you know, as we've been saying, the sort of physical uh, choreography is so much part of it, and and also the house is so much part of it. So it's really also like finding. You know, you know, using those stairs. I mean, what we liked about that house was all the sort of exposed stairs, and you know, people could be up on one, you know, uh, one floor and look down on the other floor, and and um, it just, you know, and also it was also always kind of outside and inside simultaneously because the windows there were so many windows too. Um, so, uh, so in that way, the script is all there and ready to be interpreted, but we're, you know, we're kind of you know, spending a lot of time getting the blocking right, and it's, it's also the camera blocking as well as the actors blocking. Greta. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, one of my favorite essays is the essay that Annie Baker wrote for your Criterion collection thingy thingy. And when she talked about how you move like an old movie star, I was wondering how conscious that was and if you implemented that like in a different way with the 80s thing in this movie, because I felt slash saw that. Oh, I love Annie Baker. I'm so glad she wrote that essay. Um, and I'm glad you read it. Uh, I, I mean, I don't, I, I mean, I think like with so many things that influence me, one, um, it's not, it's not like I'm, I'm it's not as if I'm consciously trying to imitate something, but um, I mean, for me, those, I mean, I, the person I, who's like the tip top person um, that I love to watch is, uh, is Carol Lombard. And, and I think, I, don't, I, I mean, I don't think I, you know, my voice is not like hers, my body is not like hers, but I think, if you love something and you watch it enough, it kind of sinks inside you. And then what's amazing about it is it, it comes out in, you know, I remember somebody told me really early on, they were like, if you're going to imitate, imitate old movie stars because nobody will know what you're doing. Um, but it, like every male actor will like imitate Brando. And it's like, don't do that. Imitate like, you know, Robert Mitchum or something. Nobody knows what that is. Um, <laughs> so I think I did kind of take that to heart, um, but but I don't, but I don't, um, but yeah, but I don't, I yeah, it's not it's not a it's not so much a conscious thing, but um, I think they're kind of just all floating around in the background. I also think I'm aided in large part by the way Noah shoots these movies, which is um, both with Francis Ha and with this one, um, he shoots them you know, the way, you know, three or four pages of dialogue will play out in, in one shot or people walking in and out of frame, it'll, it allows me to give a kind of, um, you know, a performance that I think people would associate with an older style of acting, which is kind of bigger in a way because I have the whole frame to do it in. And I've never, I've never really liked the way... Mm, I don't like the way movies, uh, conversations are shot in movies often, kind of like the going back and forth between the two people. I just, I think it's boring and it also doesn't feel like life to me. 
And then I remember we were watching, um, we watched a bunch of uh, Romer films, and you, I think you pointed it out that they, he always puts people sitting next to each other and then just shoots the conversation, just the two of them, but, but they're not, it's like you don't get that kind of back and forthness. And well, it's I, more European to sit next to each other in a banquet. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um. <laughs> it's, it's, that's exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think that kind of like, is, so I feel, I feel like I'm able to give those performances because of the way Noah shoots the movies in a way. Um, I don't, I hate feeling boxed in by a camera. I feel like, um, yeah, or like the way, you know, I, I loved dance and I, I started as a, a dancer. That's like what I wanted to do. And I, um, and I, like the way Fred Astaire always had everyone shoot him was like head to toe. You know, that's how we see dancing. And Gene Kelly had a, a different idea, which is you'd, you'd see his face more. And I always felt like, you know, I want to see the whole body. And I still feel that way about act, acting because I feel like acting is kind of, in a way, it's it's like, it's a dance for me, and so I, I want. And then Noah does what I want. No, he he wanted to do that anyway. <laughs> right. Except in his brutal films. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What What is your favorite Carol Lombard movie? Well, we've been. Um, I mean, Twentieth Century yeah. with her and John Barrymore, and yeah. it's like them yelling at each other. I close that. Where are you going? <laughs> and it's so great. And, and she gets so pitchy when she screams. And it's, uh, you know, it by all accounts should be annoying. And it's just amazing. It's great. Yeah. To be or not to be real. So, so yeah, yeah, to be or not to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they call me. Never mind. No, that's bad. <laughs> okay. Um, we're going to wrap it up. <laughs> Thank you, you guys. It's good to end with Carol Lombard. Thanks, Fox Searchlight. Thanks, Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. The Close-Up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Nick Kemp and Michael Oatmark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close-Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a nonprofit arts organization based in New York City, supported by individuals just like you. Founded in 1969 to celebrate American and international cinema, the Film Society presents year-round programming recognizing established and emerging filmmakers, supporting important new work, and enhancing awareness, accessibility, and understanding of the moving image. To learn more about what we do and support the Film Society by becoming a member, please visit filmlink.com, F-I-L-M-L-I-N-C.com. The Film Society of Lincoln Center. Film lives here.